Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll hear from Kirk McElhern. He is the iTunes guy for Macworld Magazine. We'll discuss how to deal with moving from one country to another with Apple, with your online services, etc. We'll also hear about the brand new Samsung Galaxy S4, their flagship smartphone. Is it an iPad killer? An HTC One killer? With Roy Choi of Techno Buffalo and Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Owl Live. We're rejoined by Kirk McElhern, author and writer. He's the iTunes guy for Macworld Magazine. Also has a blog at McElhern.com. And as some of our listeners know, he lives in France, but in about a month after you hear the show, he's going to be a resident of the UK. And so that's an exciting time for him. Also kind of a daunting time, I guess, moving from one country to another. Now, when you're moving stuff, let me ask you a quick question here. I think our listeners might enjoy this. When you're moving stuff... From one country to another, are there customs issues to deal with? No, not within the European Union. If I were moving, say, from France to the U.S., then yes, there could be issues. Um, But borders don't technically exist within the European Union, so it's not an issue. So it's like, like moving from New York to Chicago. Yeah, yeah, basically. Or New York to New Jersey, even, since one's just across the water from the other. Thinking in terms of distance, when you moved from the U.S. to France years ago, Was that a difficult thing to accomplish, or you didn't take much with you? I had a backpack when I left. Okay. Um, I was 25, and I didn't own much stuff, so it was pretty simple. I just loaded up my backpack, left a bunch of stuff at a friend's apartment in New York, some of which I brought over a couple years later. But no, it wasn't a big move at all. I mean, it wasn't planned as as a move in the first place. It was planned as a year after which I would return, and I decided to stay. But we can never do that when we're 50 or 60. We can't. It's a lot more difficult, as I've told you. I'm a freelancer, and I have this option of being able to work from anywhere, so I'm taking advantage of this. But it's a lot of work to set up this kind of thing, in particular because of things like they drive on the wrong side of the road, so I can't take my car, because the plugs for electrical devices are different, even though the voltage is close enough, so I need adapters for everything I bring. It, it's a complex process, and, and it makes it even more complicated because as a freelancer in France, I'm technically a business. So there's all sorts of things to wind down my business and pay off taxes that are pretty complex. Um, on the other hand, when I get to England, it'll be an awful lot easier to work as a freelancer. I've already set up a company, and I'll pay about half as much taxes in England as I do in France. Well, there is that advantage. That's a big advantage. Quite a big advantage. A main advantage, I'll tell you that, folks. A main advantage. In any case, we wish you good luck with the move. We hope you enjoy your new home. I hope so, too. And we'll also have to see how the Internet connectivity is when we do our shows with Kirk from the UK. Speaking of which, it's not just, you know, when you're moving from one country to another, it's not just the normal issues of, well, in your case here, obviously, If you want to drive a car in the UK, you have to almost relearn how to drive. We know James Bond never has a problem, but the rest of us, I think, kind of, sort of would have a problem in relearning how to drive. But the other issue here is Apple is very country-specific in what it does. Let me give you an example of this. The other day, because my son's MacBook is getting kind of long in the tooth, so what we did is 
we looked into the possibility of maybe getting him a new computer. He's not listening to the show. He doesn't know this. So I called Apple. And I said, okay, Apple, how do I ship from the U.S. to Spain? Do you handle this? And they said, no, you have to buy it in Spain. You have to go to the Spain site of Apple to buy the computer to be shipped there. Unless, of course, you know, I buy it here and I ship it from here myself. Which you don't want want to do because of the cost of shipping. Well, the cost of shipping is not as much as the additional money I'd have to spend to buy it in Spain. Hundreds of dollars more. Okay, but don't forget that when it gets to Spain, he's going to have to pay import duties and VAT on it. Does he? That's that's a lot of the difference between the price you see in the States and the price you see in Spain. In Europe, prices include VAT, which in most countries, it's it's 15 to 20 percent. I don't know exactly what it is in Spain, but it's probably close to 20. Even if you send it as a gift? Sure. Okay, so even if we send it as a gift to him in Spain, he still has to pay the value-added tax locally, whatever it is. Right. So it's not just, gee, someone sends you a computer, it's a present and all that stuff. It is, you've got to pay their, whatever it is, their tribute. Yeah, basically. What you can do, however, within the European Union, you can buy something from the Apple store and ship it to someone in another country. They have a system set up for that. So I could buy your son a computer from the French Apple Store and have it shipped to Spain, which basically means that I'm buying it from the Apple Store Europe, paying in France, and it's being shipped to Spain. I mean, these stores aren't separate. It's all one unit. But the price is a lot higher. I don't know. I mean, I did. I checked it out. What, four or five hundred dollars more? In France? In Spain. Now, I don't know about France. You're saying Spain compared to the U.S.? Right. And as I said, a lot of that is the VAT, which you're going to have to pay in any European country. Okay. So my point is, if you're in a European country and you want to send a gift to someone, for instance, when I move to England, if I want to send my son a computer from the Apple Store, I can order it from the Apple Store in England, and he'll get it delivered to him as if it was coming from the Apple Store in France. But you'd have to pay whatever the local price is for that computer. I'm not sure about that, because when you buy something within the European Union, you pay the VAT in the country in which you buy it. You don't pay the VAT in the country where you reside. So when I buy books from Amazon UK and get them delivered to France, there's no VAT on books in the UK, yet there's a 5.5% VAT in France. I don't pay that VAT for books that I import from England. So within the European Union, you don't have VAT unless you're a business and you're getting into you know larger quantities of things. So in theory, then I could go look at the various Apple stores in Europe, find the place that has the lowest price, right. buy it from there and have them ship it from that country to Spain. I think you'd need to be in that country with a credit card in that country to be able to do it, though. Okay. I think you'd need to have a credit card in the country where you want to do the purchase. So I think you'd need to find someone in that country to do it for you. I don't think you could do it from the States. So, for example, if I find the UK is the best place to go and you're right. living in the UK and I say, Kirk, here's $1,500, whatever it costs. Exactly. You I go ahead it, and place send the it order to Grayson, for me. And then you're getting the UK price for something that he's getting in Spain. Boy, isn't this confusing. Some people think we live in one world, but we don't. We live in a thousand different worlds. And yeah, to deal it, with- it can be very complicated. Again, within the European Union, the, the borders technically don't exist. So a lot of things are very smooth. And, and this is – I've been here for 28 years, and in the early years, this didn't exist like this. And things got relaxed, I guess it was in the 90s sometimes, after the Maastricht 
treaty was signed whenever that was, 92. And now not only do you not need a passport to cross borders, although you do when you go into the UK because they treat things differently, um, you can just have a photo ID to cross borders otherwise. Um, you can ship goods and services across the borders relatively simply. Yet, there are still companies who are going to say, well, yes, but we subject our things to country-specific treatment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Let's talk then about the logistics here of your move. Now, you're a customer of Apple in France. Now you're moving to the UK, but you have bought a lot of songs, a lot of music from Apple in France. So now you're moving to the UK, you become a resident of the UK. How do you move this over? Can you move it over? What are the logistics involved? This is something that Kirk will explain in our next segment, because they never make it easy for us. They really don't. We have Kirk McElhern. He's a senior contributor for Macworld Magazine and also the iTunes guy. And he also works on the Mac OS X Hints website. So he's a multifaceted kind of friend. Coming up soon, we'll hear from Roy Choi of Techno Buffalo and Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, all going to be talking about the launch of the Samsung Galaxy S4. Is that an iPhone killer? I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Peter Kronstrommel from Midas Resources. As you know, federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. It will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Crunch, now at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. 
Want something different from your detox? Then you want Hemp USA's Micro Plant Powder for a full body detox. With seven formulations and eight different sizes, you will feel and see the difference. And the best part? It's only about $10 a month. Our customers love it, and we ship worldwide. Get the detox difference. Get Micro Plant Powder from HempUSA.org. Call 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org. See what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you at HempUSA.org. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Utopia Silver understands that mainstream medicine and the rising cost of health care can financially destroy any family. We simply cannot afford to get sick. The only option is to stay healthy. Americans are learning that ill health is not caused by a deficiency of drugs. It's usually the result of a deficiency of minerals, vitamins, proper nutrition, and exercise. UtopiaSilver.com offers colloidal silver and healing protocols for vaccine and radiation poisoning, arthritis, insomnia, and more. If you're sick of unconstitutional government mandates, then stand up now and say no. The time is growing short to put this evil genie back in its bottle. Join Utopia Silver in promoting good health and fighting for our God-given health care rights. Visit utopiasilver.com, U-T-O-P-I-A-Silver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Kirk McElhern joins us. He is the iTunes guy for Macworld. And as we mentioned in the previous segment, he is moving from France to the UK, which as moves go, it's, what, a thousand miles or so? About a thousand miles from where I live in southern France to where I'm moving to York in England. Okay, so it's like moving from New Jersey to somewhere in the Midwest in terms of the moving distance, the equivalent. Yeah, roughly. Okay. But you're a customer of Apple France. You have your iTunes account at Apple France. Does that present a problem? Well, it does. Now, you mentioned before the break uh, about music. Actually, music isn't the problem because music bought since, if I'm not mistaken, April 2009 doesn't have DRM anymore. But I contacted Apple to find out what would happen. Could I transfer my French account to England? And how would this work? And they basically replied that all content is country-specific. So while I could keep the content and it would still work, I could update apps on an iOS device, for instance, I wouldn't be able to update them in iTunes. I wouldn't be able to re-download anything. I'd have to cancel my iTunes match subscription and start a new one, etc. Now, I wrote an article about this uh, for Macworld, and a lot of commenters posted saying, oh, you're a noob, you don't know how to do this, you just create a new account and keep the old one. 
that wasn't the point of my article. The point of my article was to say that for those who want to transfer the account, who don't want to keep an old account, a second account, um, which is entirely possible. But also um, very awkward. It's a little bit awkward logging out and logging in. And if you want to purchase things, you still need to keep a credit card or get gift cards in the other country. I'm going to keep a bank account open in France for about a year, but probably not after that. So, you know, it makes things less than simple. Um, but Apple's take is quite simply that everything we sell is country specific, whether these are apps that are sold in every country, whether they're books that are sold in, you know, multiple countries, maybe not every country, and no matter what, you can't do this. Now, this contrasts a lot with Amazon, for example, where you can move your account from one country to another and have access to all the content you've bought, whether it be Kindle books or MP3s or you know, other digital content, let's say if you have a Kindle Fire and you bought apps, things like that. Um, Amazon does this. Now, Amazon doesn't have a presence in every country, and it's not very clear from what I was looking at. In some countries, they'll let you move your account to Amazon.com in the U.S., which they didn't used to do. Um, I didn't look into that as close as I looked into the Apple question. So basically, if you move from one country to another, and you've got a lot of money invested in content in the first country in Apple stores. And this can be the Mac App Store. This can be um, the iTunes Store. The only way to make sure you keep that content is to keep that second account open. And Apple's process of actually transferring the account, transferring the actual Apple ID, is going to cause you too many problems. So you create a new account with a different Apple ID, which means you have to have a second email address. Now, for you and me, that's easy because we have our own domains. But for some people, it's not that simple. So I think Apple needs to, at least within Europe, because we do have porous borders, Apple needs to straighten this out. Now, I pointed out in my article that Apple, while preventing me from moving my content, they're very careful to make sure that they are selling their content from the country in Europe that has the lowest VAT, which is Luxembourg, in order so to... So therefore, I should buy his computer in Luxembourg. Well, it's not only the VAT, it's the country price. You need to compare the two. You'd have to go to all the different Apple stores and compare them um, and see which one's going to come out to be the cheapest. It's, it's pretty easy in Europe, with the exception of the UK, because it's all in euros. So you'll see the difference easily. You won't have to make a conversion. But Apple very carefully um, puts their European headquarters for digital sales in Luxembourg, where VAT is the lowest. In other words, when you buy something here, VAT is included in the price, unlike in the States, where sales tax is added to the price. So if I buy something that's 10 euros, 15% VAT was added because it's in Luxembourg, compared to 20% VAT if it was in France. Now, since they're not going to change the euro price from country to country, they're taking advantage of a 5% difference in VAT to make more money. Why not? Well, why not? Because they have $137 billion in cash, the majority of it stashed overseas in places like the Cayman Islands to avoid paying income taxes in the U.S. That's the point. The point is here, they're going to take advantage of any tax loopholes they can get, like any large company. True, and you can't fault them for that. But on the other hand, why are they making it difficult for average users? And, and I'll point out that I, as the iTunes guy, I get these questions um, from Macworld readers. I've had quite a number of questions from people in similar situations, um, moving from one country to another, trying to figure out how to do this. So um, basically, you could have be working a loyal Apple customer for years, one of the early iTunes customers. But as soon as you go over those porous borders... You're kind of messed up if you don't go through a complicated process. 
if you don't keep the second account open, now Apple doesn't seem to block access from any country to any country. So you could still use the account, though. Theoretically, until so they change their mind and decide to block it. Well, that's the important point also here. If you, you have the account in open. France, you can still use it from the UK and buy content, or you can't anymore? I can, as long as I have a payment method in France, which means either a credit card or gift cards. What about PayPal? That's worldwide. I don't think they accept it on the French site. I'm not sure. Okay, I know they accept PayPal in the U.S. Yeah, but there are country sites where they don't. Okay, so that might have been the advantage then. And of course, and of course, hold on. If they do accept it in France, it has to be a PayPal account that's registered in France. Oh. So if I move my PayPal account to the U.K., then I wouldn't be able to use it on the French iTunes store, see? You know, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen... I can spell this all out in one way, and it's not a word that exceeds the requirements of network radio. It is D-U-M-B. It is, and I, I haven't. I, I, I contacted Apple PR to ask if they could explain some of this. I obviously didn't get an answer because you generally don't get answers to any kind of question like this. Um, I'd like to know the justification. Now, I'm aware that for movies and TV shows, there are all sorts of complicated licensing agreements. Um. But for music, and, and here we're talking about music, just re-downloading music, for example. Um, music that's available in all the different countries, why should it make a difference? Um, for apps that are available in all the different countries, why should it make a difference? They're sold at the same price. Um, when you submit a, an app to Apple, they have a certain number of levels, price levels. You don't choose the price you want. You choose whether it's going to be one ninety nine or two ninety nine or three ninety nine or seven ninety nine or whatever, and then that price has equivalencies around the world. So it's not like you're buying it in one country and getting it cheaper than if you bought it in another country. Well, you know, it's like we're talking here about the issues regarding, say, using your wireless phone account that you have in the U.S. trying to use it in Europe and suddenly being forced to pay all sorts of hideous roaming charges that make no sense because data is data. Why should data cost more in England than data cost in Brooklyn? Well, that's a different story because the data is going through a different provider. And each one has contracts, and we'll have to get into that in a moment. The complexities of dealing with a wide world and Apple and online access and all the other stuff going on. Kirk McElhern joins us on the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hey, neighbors. Got a small business or a large company that needs to be online 24-7? Well, here's the little secret. To make sure your site is always online, you need world-class DNS service from Dyne. That's D-Y-N. For years, Dyne has been helping companies ranging from the scrappy young startup to the giant media moguls of the world with making sure websites are fast and always available and that your emails are getting delivered. D-Y-N. Get faster internet by using Dyne for DNS. Visit Dyne.com slash podcast 30. Fill out the contact form or start shopping right away and save 30%. By using the promo code PODCAST30 at checkout. Again, visit Dyn.com, that's D-Y-N.com, slash 
podcast 30. Check them out today. March into big spring preparedness savings this month at BePrepared.com. Going on now. Emergency Essentials and BePrepared.com save you 28% off your favorite beef and chicken combo entrees. Save 24% on number 10 cans of freeze-dried raspberries. Or save 26% on our freeze-dried strawberry slices with purchase of 12 or more. Catadine Pocket Micro Water Filters are 27% off. Try our fruit-flavored Hydro Pack Combo Water Filtering Pouches in March by 510 packs for a 50% discount. Stock up on wheat with a year's supply of grains for $70 off only at BePrepared.com and this month power up with a Goal Zero Sherpa 50 solar powered recharging kit at $110 off MSRP and we'll throw in a free $50 emergency essentials gift card the March sale ends March 31st at BePrepared.com for contents and details call emergency essentials at 800-999-1863 or click BePrepared.com the choice is clear be unprepared or BePrepared.com Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time. I was trying to sleep. Heart and Body Extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of Heart and Body Extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of Heart and Body Extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order Heart and Body Extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So, Kirk McElhern, data is data, and not the character from Star Trek Next Generation. We're talking about the fact that if I allow international roaming on my smartphone and I go into Europe, whoops, I'm in trouble because they're going to sock me with charges. Let me give you an example of where this actually happened. The wife and I decided to go to California to pick up a dog from a rescue shelter. We saw a picture of this dog, and my wife said, let's take that dog. We have to buy a new dog. We don't have to train a new dog. He's house trained. He needs new parents. 
So we decided to take the trip to bring the dog home. And in the trip to California, I took Highway 8, Interstate Highway 8. I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's no. one of the faster routes to go from Phoenix to San Diego. But you also skirt the Mexican border. So somewhere wow. along the line, even though we were physically in the United States, we mm -hmm. passed within range of a cell tower in Mexico. Yep. So we get this text message from AT&T. Welcome abroad telling us that any decent roaming plan, international roaming plan, would cost us $120 a month for like something that is the less than the entry-level plan for $15 a month in the USA. Of course, I have international roaming turned off on my smartphone. Mm -hmm. So I didn't pay anything. But I called AT&T and I said, what's going on here, man? I was not in Mexico. I was in California. I can prove it, you know, whatever. Check the GPS, for heaven's sake, if there's a log of it, and you'll see. And they say, yeah, but you still came within range of a Mexican cell tower. Mm. So that's just a normal automatic function triggered. And he said, well, as long as, you know, you have international roaming turned off, as long as you block international calling to Canada, to Mexico, whatever, you're not going to be charged. So I said to him, why is it so expensive? And then I posed, and this is something where this guy, if he allowed his name to be revealed, would be fired. I said to the AT&T guy, if you were overseas and you had to use a wireless phone, would you use AT&T with a global plan, pay those humongously ridiculous rates, or buy a prepaid phone at the airport? And he said, I'd buy a prepaid phone at the airport. Well, it's it's funny what you mentioned because just a few days ago there was some news in in England about how English people in the south of England, uh, very close to the south, like in Dover, have been seeing on their cell phones "Welcome to France" recently. In other words, that that twenty some odd miles between France, the French coast, and Dover is close enough apparently for certain cell towers to pick them up, and people are getting hit with roaming charges. And this is pretty recent that this hadn't happened before. Now, when I went to England in January, um, I had the choice between paying for roaming and buying a, a UK SIM card. You don't need to buy a prepaid phone. You just buy a SIM card and switch it. That's it fine if your phone is not locked. You have an unlocked right. phone. Okay, mine's an unlocked phone. Right. Um, I had to pay something like 120 euros in roaming for calls and data. Um, so $150, a little bit more than that. Now, I did this because I really needed access to my phone number because I was waiting for a lot of important calls. Um, but the second trip I made in February, I bought a 12-pound um, SIM card from a company called GifGaff, which gave me 250 minutes and unlimited data um, and had no problem. Now, of course, I wasn't getting calls to my French number, but I get emails when I get messages. So a couple times when I needed to call to get the messages because I couldn't get them online since I wasn't on the same thing. I would just switch the SIM card and, you know, pay for a one minute call and, and do something like that. But it's extremely expensive. Um, it's a racket in the EU. They've recently set up limits to roaming charges. Um, so it's only half a racket, but it's still extremely expensive. You can, as you say, you, you were near a border. Anyone who lives, say, in France near the German border, in Belgium near the Dutch border, people are going to have this problem a lot. And you don't want to necessarily block your phone from getting calls because 
let's say you're in Belgium near the French border. The French cell tower picks you up, but you're still going to get a call from someone in Belgium. You don't want to not get that call. So it's really a problem. Um, and if you use call forwarding, you'd pay the cost of calling a number in another country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they really need to come up with a way over here, at least, that roaming charges don't apply or that, I don't know, there's got to be some sort of a better system because of the fact that people do cross borders a lot. I mean, it's a pain for me to have to travel and switch SIM cards because then you run into the problem of your network settings. In order to update your network settings, you need Wi-Fi access. Now, you can get Wi-Fi access pretty easily in the UK, train stations and, and coffee shops and, and all that sort of stuff. But in France, it's not that common to get free Wi-Fi. You don't have a Starbucks there. Well, not where I was. Um, I mean, when I, I flew into Lyon and there was no free Wi-Fi in the airport any place, so I didn't have any network access until I got home. Um, this next trip that I'm going up tomorrow, the day after we're taping this show, um, I'm taking the train all the way, and the Eurostar has Wi-Fi. So once I get out of the tunnel, I'll be able to make the switch. It is so confusing, so upsetting, the way the system is. Especially, I think, with the European Union, there's supposed to be, as you say, elastic borders there. It's supposed to be easy to go from one country to another, except for the UK, you have a universal monetary system. But when it comes to wireless carriers, it's still the same mess we have here. Yeah, it's, well, I, I'm pretty sure, and, and I'm, I've never looked into it, but I'm pretty sure that the major carriers offer much cheaper roaming plans here than they do in the U.S. So, for instance, Orange, which is one of the biggest carriers, they're present in France and England and Spain and Germany and many countries. T-Mobile is present all over the place. So you can probably get a roaming plan from them that's more affordable if you do travel a lot. But if you're in the United States and you want to go anywhere else, it's a mess – Except the interesting thing here, I was looking at Walmart's Straight Talk prepaid phone service, and they have a perfectly decent, affordable international plan where, now it doesn't mean you can travel internationally, but I could at least make calls internationally and not pay an arm, leg, and a foot. So there has to be a way. Oh, that's a different story. You're just talking calling in another country. That's a different story. Um, let me give you an example. My cell phone plan here, unlimited calls in France, unlimited data, unlimited texts. I pay 16 euros a month. So let's call that about $20, $22. I also have unlimited calls to landlines in about 100 countries. On the other hand, it does cost more if I call mobiles in other countries. And this is because the providers in the different countries are, you know, taking a lot of money when you call mobiles well you know we can all use skype you know let's just settle on skype for everything not always the best solution i um, understand but you know you think yeah it, i mean it works as long as you have wi-fi and it's not always that reliable so i can't you know, say it, skype is any more reliable since microsoft took over the company it's always been a tad flaky, and sometimes it is flakier now than it was then. So, well, so much about Well, we're doing pretty good. No, we're doing pretty good. I mean, we do these um, interviews over Skype, and it generally works. Um, but I found that when I use Skype on my phone, it's much less reliable than on, than on my computer. Our son calls us on his iPhone 4S with Skype. That sounds pretty decent. 
This way he doesn't have to be home. He travels a lot. You know, he's a young yeah. guy. He's out with his friends. And so he wants to give us a call. He takes out his iPhone. He brings up Skype. And it works pretty decently. The iPhone on Skype actually sounds good if you have a good connection. But if the right. Wi-Fi connection is really bad where he is, it is one big nightmare. So yeah. Skype can't replace everything yet. And we can't replace Kirk McElhern. He'll be around for a little bit more. He is the iTunes guy at Macworld, also does macosxhints.com. And I'm going to ask him something about a hint in a moment, because I had a weird symptom, and there was an article in Macworld that he didn't write that didn't solve the problem. Okay. And I'll explain what it is in a moment. Kirk McElhern joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use escapeharassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 9009. That's 877-457-9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money-back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231. And the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Kirk McElhern joins us. Let's move from international computer purchases and trying to deal with international cell phone rates, which are horrendous and ridiculous. And let's talk about another subject here. Google. Now, Google lately has been doing a few changes, you know, like Andy Rubin, the guy who's head of Android, which you probably don't pay attention to. He's moved to another project. Mm-hmm. So he's no longer in charge of Android. He's like the inventor of Android. You know, he had this company, this startup. He was involved in Danger, that other company with a mobile phone platform that Microsoft acquired and didn't do very well with. And basically, they ran to the ground and wrecked it. Google did a lot better, obviously, with Android. But we're talking here about something called Google Reader. Is this something that Google's discontinuing? Yeah, Google Reader is basically an RSS tool on the web. You can go to the Google website, add RSS feeds to websites you follow. And a lot of people use it, but one of the ways it's been used a lot is by third-party apps that use it to sync feeds and articles that you've read. So what it seems is that Google's basically realized that they can't serve ads through this, that everyone's taking advantage of this open API, and that they've decided to kill it off. Now, this is a bit of a problem for anyone who uses RSS and depends on Google Reader that at the end of June, it's all going to go away. This is one of a few services Google is cutting out. Why? Well, I don't know why. Again, I think it's because they can't serve ads, so probably they figure that they're not making money off of it. So basically here, any service that Google has tried in beta that can't become an ad platform, that's going to disappear pretty much. It seems logical because this is how Google makes their money. They're not out to you know, give us freebies, obviously. And again, they, they provided an open API. They presumably expected that people would use it but apparently they're surprised that it's being used as much as it is. So it's being used too much and it's not delivering the cash. Best guess. 
I wonder what's going to happen with Google Plus, because Google Plus has hundreds of millions of members, partly because of the fact that anytime now that you sign up with the Google service, Plus is there. It's part of the package. Yeah. But I don't know that anyone really uses it, you know, uses it as opposed to being a member. Well, I've signed up. I haven't visited Google Plus for months. You see? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if a lot of people use it or if they just, you know, feed stuff automatically because they've written articles or posted things on blogs or whatever. I don't know. That's what I do. I use it to send announcements about new episodes of this show, new episodes of the PowerCast, occasionally an interesting news item from my blog at technightout.com. I'll post that at Google+. But I get far more response from Facebook. Far more. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the big question, too, here. The way things are now, we have Facebook, Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, and there are other services that maybe kind of piggyback on them. But is that it? Is that what it's going to be? Is there any room for a third major player anymore? It's hard for anyone to break in, I would think. Um, I'm guessing that it's certainly possible, but when and how, I really don't know. You know, as we mentioned before, with Remember MySpace. Yeah. And MySpace was bought by some rock musicians like Justin Timberlake. Yeah. I don't know what kind of businessman Justin Timberlake is. Obviously, he's a talented actor, a talented musician. So, very successful. They want to make that something that works more with musicians. I haven't heard much about MySpace. I'm a member of MySpace. I haven't received a single email about it anywhere at any time. Well, I thought, I mean, personally, I it's been years since I paid attention to MySpace, frankly. Um, the fact that someone bought it very cheap, because wasn't it Murdoch who bought it um, some years ago for an outlandish amount of money, and Timberlake and whoever paid next to nothing for it. It's kind of hard to take a brand that has a sort of reputation of being, you know, paleo internet and trying to make it turn into something hip. I don't know how well they're going to be able to do that. I'm trying to sign into MySpace to see what's going on, and it doesn't take my login, so I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if I have an account there. Well, I've tried three of my email addresses already. I'm going to try one more right now. You hear me typing. And we're going to submit it. And unknown email. Let's try... This account. I have so many email accounts, I'm just going to keep trying them and see. No, it doesn't recognize that. I'm running out of them here. Let's try the last two. So I think MySpace is not going to make it for me because I can't sign on. Mm. Or as someone once said on a TV show, they're fired. Let me try my Gmail account. That is strange. Oh, well. There you go. Can't use them. They're fired. Yeah. There you go. So basically, the other question I guess I'd ask here is, are people eventually just going to get rid of their Facebook and their Twitter? Or is it going to become more entrenched? I think people, and particularly people much younger than us, are, have grown up with these things. And they're always going to want to have some sort of way to keep in touch with friends whether it be Facebook or Twitter or something that's yet to be invented. Um, I don't see any guarantee that Facebook is going to last forever. Uh, 
Remember when Alta Vista was the best search engine? Well, they got, you know, overtaken Alta who? by Google. Alta Vista? You don't remember that? I'm joking. Yeah, okay. Um, and Twitter has its certain popularity. I think, I think there's room for something that combines the two of them. But, I mean, I look at the way I use Facebook and Twitter, and it's very different. Um, on the one hand, for me, Twitter is public. Um, I use it to provide information to my followers about articles, for instance. But I also use it to keep in touch with a lot of my colleagues, other Macworld writers. Uh, Facebook, for me, is only people that I know personally. I don't friend people in order to have more friends. The people I'm friends with are people uh, I have personal friends, people I work with, people I went to school with, or whatever. Um, so for me, it's, it's a very different process. Well, with me, I, of course, I use Facebook and Twitter largely for commercial reasons. My son, as a corollary, my son uses it to communicate with his family and friends. Yeah. So if he has a new photo album or something or he's traveled somewhere, he puts it up on Facebook. We get the pictures and everything works out fine. And, and that's the way I think an awful lot of people use it. Um, I, I think there are two types of use of Facebook. One is, is what you just described that, that Grayson and, and, and you and other people do to share information. The other is people who are touting services or products and use it to get people to follow them and to get information about these products or services, to have contests and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and these are obviously you know, totally different uses. No one does both of them. You know, think of a record label that's going to be posting stuff on Facebook, maybe videos and information about new releases, or think of Macworld that posts articles on Facebook because people get information that way. Um, but Macworld's not going to post, um, you know, pictures of Jason Snell's birthday party, for instance. Why? Well, I don't know. We'd have to ask Jason. Okay. Okay. But that's, you know, one example of possible uses there so we have to see we have to see but you're on facebook you're on twitter as we know yeah you're not going to join myspace no and i never did i never even had a myspace account um it never seemed to do anything for me i mean whenever i looked at the pages they were so ugly they, it's they all had it's redesigned they often had these these blinking texts and stuff and but i just never found any use for it so no it was never a thing for me but again, I could see something that combines Twitter and Facebook, um, but I'd want to have a better idea of how other people use the two of them. I mean, you know, I see how I use them, and I know how some friends use them, but I don't know, for instance, how do young people use Twitter? Do they have an open account, a closed account? Um, do they use it to keep in touch with friends, or is it just like a a, a water cooler thing? <sighs> how can you tell? I think the big question I think a lot of people have these days is the privacy. So what someone told me who was starting a service that would rival Facebook is that Facebook owns the rights to your content. Is that true? Every once in a while you hear something about that, and it turns out that it's not entirely true. Um, and they change their sort of terms and conditions and their privacy things very often. So I'd really want to have someone knowledgeable confirm that. I'm not sure about that okay i know one thing about myspace i didn't like is i guess i'm forced to reveal my real birth date including uh -huh. the year i'm not interested in that because nobody can count that high 
We have Kirk McElhern joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Kirk McElhern joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live. We leave discussions of social networks, but getting back to Google Reader, which started this whole thing. So Google Reader goes away. What do you do to replace all the content you set up there? Well, you use an RSS reader, which is what I have been doing since the beginnings of RSS. I use Net Newswire, which unfortunately hasn't been updated in ages and really needs an update. But you can use that. Now, the problem with Net Newswire is that while there are ways to sync from one computer to another, it doesn't sync to iOS. They have an iOS. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It only syncs with Google Reader from one computer to another. So that's – see, this is the problem. If you're, if you're on a single computer, there are tons of RSS readers. Um, but if you want to sync from one computer to another, and ideally between, say, computer and iPhone and iPad, um, then we're missing the solution. Um, someone's going to have to come up with something, and I'm sure someone will um, pretty quickly because all they need to do is build a sync feature and license it to different companies or charge you a buck a month to, to access it. I would actually like to be able to use this 
Um, and I found that Net Newswire with Google Reader, it would sync stuff and it would like duplicate my subscriptions and it just never worked well for me. Well, if you think that's bad, though, imagine if you're trying to use an Android phone on a Mac and you want to sync your stuff. You got to go through a few conniptions. I would assume you would. And that's why this is something I've never considered doing. <laughs> Well, Andy Anatko evidently did, but you, you, of course, are familiar with the story that Andy yeah. traded in his iPhone 4S for a Samsung Galaxy S3. Curious, yeah. he reveals this two weeks before the new version the of new the Galaxy, Galaxy 4, yeah. The S4 is coming out, and of course, in subsequent segments on this week's show, we'll talk about the Samsung Galaxy S4. Is it a viable competitor to the iPhone? Is it a big improvement over the S3? Now, what's so funny about what Andy did, not that he did it, but he did it in a very public way, and that is a week or two before I read his article, I wrote an article where I said, I am using a Samsung Galaxy S3 for an extended test, mm -hmm. temporarily retiring an iPhone 4S. Mm. I can't think I influenced him. No, I think he had planned this before. Well, maybe. It just came out coincidentally. But, you know, it's late in the game because, you know... I mean, it's a decent smartphone. We have to say this. When you unlock it, it makes us sound like water, by the way. It's a decent product, but I had to spend a lot of time making it work like an iPhone to perform to my taste. Right. So, you know, you can make of that what you will. But that's because you were expecting it to be an iPhone. So, yeah. Well, I'm expecting it to work the way I want it to work. Right. And the point but you're of used to the iPhone, and so you want to make it work like the iPhone. Exactly. And that might not be the, the best way to do it. I mean, if, if you've been following Lex Friedman's articles um, on Macworld, where he's using a Windows phone for a month, um, he's trying to not make it work like the iPhone, yet he keeps finding things that he likes better on the iPhone and other things that he likes better on the Windows phone, to be fair. I agree. But the thing is here, if you want people to switch platforms, which is very key, the key is here is once you get enmeshed in an ecosystem, you're buying the apps and everything and used to the way things work, moving to another platform is difficult. Now, one thing Phil Scheller said in his comments, he's the marketing VP for Apple, head of worldwide product marketing, and what he says is that four times as many Android users switch to iPhone as vice versa. So in a sense there... By trying to be like the iPhone in many ways, Android is making it easier to switch to the iPhone, I guess. That's possible, but I don't know if... Can we really believe what Phil Schiller is saying here? This is not an off-the-cuff remark. This is a very carefully planned remark. So It's based know. on stats which numbers. are either false or, or true. Yeah. Well, and I have no idea whether... Apple I don't know if he lie. gave a citation for the stats to prove it. So Exactly. I would assume here that Apple is making some kind of surveys of their own user base. Just like That's they possible. say, for example, for years, 50% of the people who buy Macs at an Apple store are new to the platform. Yeah. Now, and they made, you know... Again, they do user surveys um, very often. If you buy something from them, at least when I buy something from them online, I'll often get a survey um, asking, you know, how was the process and, and all this. But I've never gotten a survey saying, well, yes, the survey does ask, did you previously have a Mac? Or what kind of computers did you have? It does ask that. So, yeah. So that's how they're getting that information. Maybe that is true here.
But the other thing here, of course, is that each platform vendor, BlackBerry, Windows Phone, iOS, Android, they want to lock you in. They want to get you so used to their way of doing things that when it comes time to buy a new smartphone, you say, hey, why am I doing this? Why am I going to switch? I'm already used to this. But with Android, they don't make it easy to restore your phone. It's not as seamless as, for example, with iTunes. With iTunes, I could switch an iPhone 10 times tomorrow and have each successive new iPhone or iPad be a mirror of the previous one in terms of apps and settings. It may take 20 minutes or a half hour to do it, but I could do it. Now I, I had challenge- my iPhone replaced, in fact, just before the last time we did a show, I think. Right. Um, because I had Wi-Fi problems and took the old iPhone, made a full backup, put the new one in, restored, boom. It took a while, basically, to copy my music. Other than that, it was ready in, as you say, 15 or 20 minutes. It's a no-brainer. In Kirk's case, because he has so much music, it takes about three days. Well, actually, the the reason it takes a long time for music is because I downsample my music um, from 256 to 192 um, to be able to fit more music on the iPhone. And so iTunes, when it's doing that, it's actually converting the music files. So it could take about, I think it took about eight hours altogether to transfer all the music. It's about 27 gigs of music. So what you want is a 128 gigabyte iPad. No, I don't want a 128 gig iPad. Um I'm thinking that the next time I buy a new iPhone, I'll go for 64 gigs um, because 32 is just a little bit tight for the amount of music that I want to have in my pocket. But the key is here is that restoring to a new iPhone or an iPad is very easy on a Mac or a PC. Restoring an Android phone or tablet is not easy. There is a backup routine. There's a way to back it up to your Google account. But you have to use separate apps to back up your apps. Otherwise, you have to download them again. I assume if you bought them once, you don't have to pay again for the same account. I would guess. I would guess. But it's not an easy process, and it's something that also is not being mentioned very often. That even if the platforms were otherwise equal, even if Android were better, when you move from one phone to another, which is inevitable, not just because there's a new and better phone out, but maybe your phone is stolen. Maybe it breaks. You have to replace well, maybe it. Maybe it needs to be replaced, yeah, because there's a problem. Right. It's not a trivial process. It's yeah. not a trivial process. I saw this, for example, where Samsung sent me a phone to use for three weeks mm-hmm. and return it. And they said, look, we can give you a phone for a longer period, as long as you want, pretty much. Add it to your own account. Mm-hmm. So I said, sure. They sent me another phone, which I had to set up from scratch, using the same Gmail address, the backup routine did nothing for me. Right. But then, see, that begs the question of people who say that iTunes is bloated and all these things should be separated. See how easy it is to have iTunes be able to reload all that stuff into your device compared to Android. What I wonder about is why this isn't being mentioned more often. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't believe me, you don't have to believe me. You can say, that's a Mac guy. What he says isn't true. Go online, do a Google search, and look for the processes of backing up and restoring your Android phone. And remember also, some things you can't restore because different handset makers and different carriers may have their own special software and features. So if you're using Samsung and you have Samsung's special interface and features, 
and you get an HTC One. They just introduced a new HTC One. It's a very nice looking phone, by the way. So you have the HTC One. You want to restore all your stuff from your Samsung Galaxy S3? Huh? Kirk McElhern joins us for one more segment on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Your freedoms are on the line. The Second Amendment is in danger. How soon before your freedoms are taken away? What can you not live without? What is your greatest dependency? Is it your guns? Is it your home? No, it's food. It all boils down to the food supply. Tyrannical governments control people by controlling their food supply. Don't be dependent. Be self-sufficient. Don't wait for the government to feed you. Feed yourself. I can warn you, but I can't feed you. Do like Alex has done and get a supply of food from eFoods Direct. It's the best long-term storable food on the planet. Get the popular Mega Patriot Pack free. A 24-day supply of food plus stove, cook pot, and fuel. Call 800-250-1857 or go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex and get up to 20 20 mega patriot packs free with purchase build your food supply be in control be self-sufficient and be a patriot call 800-250-1857 or efoodsdirect.com slash alex and get your free patriot pack today you've come to expect winter specials from herbal healer academy and we're not going to let you down Battle through cold and flu season with powerful natural and safe flu fighters. Antivirals like olive leaf extract capsules and elderberry power. Vitamin D3, 180 caps, only $9. 
beta-glucans, and an incredible immune system booster, our own four-herb tea capsules, and Respa 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Also, exclusive homeopathic detoxes for lungs, kidneys, liver, whole body, and lymph are on sale. Herbal Healer Academy offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and save big now when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time since 1988. Celebrating 25 years in service to the natural health care industry. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Enough about the platform wars. You'll learn more about the Samsung Galaxy S4 in our next segment. I'll ask our guest, Roy Choi. He's from Techno Buffalo, a really good online publication about it. Let's ask Kirk McElhern one more thing. MacOSXHints.com. Mm-hmm. It's the site that you, I guess, inherited from Rob Griffiths, who sold it yep. to Macworld, and then when he left Macworld to work full-time on many tricks. Yeah. Which is a nice software company. By the way, he comes on the show every so often. We love talking to Rob, very knowledgeable. Kirk, what about problems in getting your Mac to boot in safe mode? Okay? Tell our listeners what safe mode is. Well, safe mode is is a way that you boot the Mac and it, it doesn't load the graphical interface. It loads basically like a terminal interface on the screen and it especially doesn't load a number of drivers and extensions and things like that. So what it does is it puts the Mac in its sort of minimal situation so you can troubleshoot and basically exclude, if you have a problem, you can exclude certain things. The conventional safe mode right now does give you the graphical interface, but it's like extensions off. I'm sorry, right, safe mode, single user mode is what I'm talking about. Right, Right. okay, safe mode is kind of like in the old days with a Mac, you had a problem. When you'd press the shift key, shift key, right. Restart with the shift key. It would disable extensions. Yeah. Exactly. This does something a lot more involved. Runs an extended disk utility check. Right. So you assume in five minutes or so it should boot. Okay. Now, there was an article in Macworld from Chris Breen. He talks about what it is, how it's changed on the Mac OS, and says... A solution, if it doesn't boot in safe mode, the solution is to remove your external drives or external devices. Anything that might load a driver right. at startup might cause a problem. I did that, didn't make a difference. So what else might be wrong? Is this something for Which Mac computer OS? was this? This is a 2009 iMac running um, Mountain Lion. Any, any third-party disk in it? No. As I said, I unplugged. The external no, inside, drives. I mean. Did you change the hard disk inside? No. Okay. Stock uh, Apple, which means I'm living memory? on borrowed time. Third-party RAM? No, Apple RAM. Okay, because um, I think it does a RAM check at the same time, but it doesn't do the, the, the long RAM check that it does with the, what's that called, the hardware or whatever, hardware, CD or whatever. Hardware test, and there's no hardware CD test. anymore, right? The one with the OS9 interface. Right, um, right. 
What could be the problem? And no USB devices connected? Running raw, running raw. Everything that could possibly have an impact, I disconnected. Um, then I'd say you need to take it to your local Apple store. <laughs> I hate to say it. One thing you might want to try, when you boot in safe mode, I don't think it turns Wi-Fi off, does it? I don't use Wi-Fi because I have a wired connection. My Wi-Fi router is exactly one foot away from my, my Ethernet switch. Okay, did you take the Ethernet cable out? Yes. Okay. So basically, there were no, nothing was connected to it. Right. Except for a keyboard and a mouse or whatever. Right. Ain't that I don't strange. know. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but it boots normally correctly. Works perfectly well. I just wanted to do it as a test. So you wanted to see what happened, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at Chris's article, and, and he is you know, pointing out the sort of standard things. Um, the, one recommendation, the one recommendation Chris makes is to disconnect your external drives. Yeah. Which makes sense to me. Well, he says any external device, and it could be a scanner or... Scanner, um, printer, hard sure. Disk, yeah, sure, anything like that. Can't tell you. The, on, the only thing I can, Well, no, I was going to say safe mode disables anything, any, like, login items. Um, I don't know. I don't know. See, I stumped. Mac OS Well, Mac, Mac OS 10 Hints is not a troubleshooting site. I know that. It's, it's a site where we post hints, and some of the hints are how to resolve a problem occasionally, but it's not a trouble. The, the forums do that. Um, if you post in the forums, maybe you'll get an answer there. Okay. But I'm, you know, it's not something, the, the goal of the site is not to provide troubleshooting as such. The goal of the site is to help users find ways to do things they couldn't do otherwise. Now, of all the stuff you got at macosxhints.com, stuff you remember offhand, what do you think are the most surprising things that readers to Macworld have brought to your attention? Um, a lot of the most interesting things are things that use what's called the defaults write command, which allow you to set hidden preferences. And these are commands that you run in terminal. Um, and I can't think of anything offhand. Maybe if I do a search while we're talking um, for default. What he's talking about here is you don't have anything in system preferences for a lot of the things that Mac OS X is wired to do. Apple has wired loads and loads of different kinds of things, very granular settings. If you think Windows has granular settings, you should look at all the terminal commands that you can do. But Apple doesn't put a pretty face on them. So you either use the terminal or you get some third-party utility to do it. Yeah. Here, I've got a list of a bunch of things. And this is just to give an idea. Um, you can, well, some of these don't work anymore or work differently. There was a command to disable the transparency in the menu bar, if you remember when that came out. Sure. And people were freaking out about that. There's a command to put the, um, there was a command to put the tool, the dock, on the side, but you can do that normally now. You can turn on a command to disable smooth scrolling or always show scroll bars or um, expand the save panel by default, expand the print panel by default, um, disable the crash reporter, set help viewer windows to non-floating mode, um, reveal IP address hostname OS version when clicking the clock in the login window. Uh, restart automatically if a computer freezes. Um, there are literally hundreds of commands like this. And I'll just give you an example of some 
other interesting ones in iTunes because iTunes has a lot of them. And we only um, have one minute to know them all. Well, I'm just going to tell you a few of them. Doug Adams, who writes these wonderful iTunes scripts, has a script, an applet called Change Hidden iTunes Preferences, um, where you can click a setting to allow ratings to be um, half stars. Um, you can create file names with a track number, which is useful. Um, you can load a complete store preview before playing, which is good if you don't have a lot of bandwidth. Um, so in... In the system itself, in the Finder, and as well as in specific applications, there are tons of these commands, literally hundreds of them. And that's one of the places on the site that we get a lot of interesting things. Of course, most of these have been discovered. It's only when there's a major OS upgrade or a new app upgrade that we find anything new. We have lots new to talk about anytime we have Kirk McElhern joining us. Once again, we wish you a safe trip and a successful move from France to the UK that's happening. In Thank the next you. few weeks, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Well, my website, Kirkville, that's com, www.macklehorn.com, and on Macworld, and Take Control Books, where I recently published uh, Take Control of iTunes 11. So if you're an iTunes fan and you want to be an iTunes power user, this book will teach you pretty much everything you need to know. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. Take care. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. The Freeze-Dry Guy wants your attention for very good reason. Going on right now, the Freeze-Dry Guy has assembled the Necessities Unit, a unit package of survival food basics no family should be without. With big survival buck savings, our Necessities Unit includes Mountain House eggs, green peas, and banana slices, plus dehydrated milk, butter, and cheese. All packed in six heavy-duty enameled number 10 cans with a proven 25- to 30-year shelf life. Now the best part, buy one Necessities Unit case for only 203 and get 20 percent back in survival bucks buy two cases at 406 get 25 percent back in survival bucks and buy three cases at just 609 and get 30 percent back in survival bucks only from freezedryguy.com and only through the end of the month while supplies last prices include free shipping to the lower 48 to order call 866-404-3663 that's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com the freeze dry guy the standard for survival 
Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Gardeners, here comes another growing season, but don't use last year's soil. Maximize yields in your survival garden with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 is an organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant that provides a broad spectrum of beneficial microorganisms, enzymes, trace minerals, vitamins, and various organic acids. EM1 helps regulate the soil's pH level and its soil microbes, improving moisture retention and drought tolerance. Remember last year's dry conditions? EM1 from Terraganics is safe, chemical-free, and certified for use on all organic farms. It improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, and gives up to 20% more nutrient value in fruits and vegetables and greatly increases shelf life. And EM1 is so simple to use, just mix with water and apply. This year, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So those of you who read the Techno Buffalo at technobuffalo.com may realize that the guy we have on was the fellow doing the live blogging of the event in New York City at Radio City Music Hall. It's been years since I've been over there, where Samsung introduced the Galaxy S4. Now, before we go on, Roy, when it comes to doing a live blog, now you've got to basically be like someone who takes the testimony in a court, like a court reporter, don't you? Yeah, and you know, it's not just about the facts. You've got to state a lot of bit, uh, a lot about your opinions, as well as how does that relate to technology or to consumers in general. Um, so, you know, we talked about uh, HTC One comparatively to the Samsung Galaxy S4 because those are the two latest phones out there. It just gives people an idea of, of, oh, how does this relate to what I want to purchase next? Now, when it comes to HTC, there's a comment from someone at HTC now kind of denigrating the whole thing, saying that's not so impressive. <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's a little bit of uh, cat and mouse here. Uh, yesterday, before the event, Phil Schiller of uh, Apple, you know, he just started talking bad about uh, Samsung Galaxy S4 even before it was announced. So I think there's a little bit of, of gameplay between all the marketing heads saying, ours is better, yours sucks. Um, so it's a little bit of that back and forth. You know, the stock market reacted in a peculiar fashion to the news. The next morning, Apple stock, as of the time that we're recording this episode, is up over 2%. 
So apparently a lot of the analysts feel that the Galaxy S4 compared to the S3 is an iterative kind of update. Now, I want to ask you something, then we can go into the raw details here. In going through all the information they present, of course, we have the normal hardware updates you expect with a product, faster CPU, more pixels per inch, all that stuff, lighter, thinner, whatever. Mm -hmm. The software improvements don't mention anything about Android. Android doesn't exist almost. If you're looking at everything that's new and different about the Galaxy S4, it's Samsung's hardware and Samsung's software. Where is Android in all of this? It, it seems like it, doesn't it? The, all the new features that they went over were beyond what Android offers today. I mean, a lot of this non-touch, uh, it's almost like Jedi mind powers or Jedi mind tricks here. You just wave your hand over the screen and, and stuff happens. And so it is interesting. And a lot of these manufacturers, um, HTC, Samsung, even uh, Google's own Motorola, they have different skins that they put, uh, different uh, operating systems on top of your operating systems that give additional features that some phones may not offer. And I've got to, I've got to say that Samsung probably has the most, and some people may hate it. You know, some people don't like the way that the interface is laid out for Samsung. Uh, some people hate the HTC one. Uh, some people hate LGs. But they're all a little bit different just to try to differentiate itself from other Android devices. But you see, it's totally different than Windows. I mean, oh, yeah. if you get a computer with Windows or a phone with Windows Phone, it's still Windows Phone. You may add a few apps that are specific to a carrier, say. Yeah, and but it's still Windows Phone or it's still Windows 8 or whatever. But with Android, it's an open source OS. The licensing terms, I guess, are very liberal from Google. And the question here is, where's the brand identity? I mean, you have this platform that supposedly dominates smartphones. <laughs> But then if you look at the specifics, it doesn't work that way. So Amazon is using Android, but you wouldn't know it because Amazon basically uses it as the basis for their own stuff, their own yeah. online store and everything. In Asia, in China especially, you have lots of Android variants, but they don't even use the Google Play Store either, just like Amazon. And then you have Samsung setting up their own store, although you could go to Google Play, I guess. And they're pushing all their own custom apps. And you wonder, with Samsung especially, they're working on a new OS called, is it Tizen? Yeah. Okay, so does this mean that Samsung eventually will say, okay, we've now weaned people away from Android, we'll go to Tizen? You know, it, it could be that. Uh, Google has mentioned that they kind of feel that Samsung may be getting too much of the Android market share. So a lot of what they're worried about is, are they getting too powerful to compete against other Android devices? And, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a, a matter of personal opinion or personal preference of what specific uh, devices uh, skin that you use. But honestly, um, you look at Samsung, they're hedging their bets on a lot of different operating systems. You know, they're jumped into Windows Phone 8. They're on uh, Android. And who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll join uh, some other uh, operating system. But Tizen is their own one that they've put together. It is interesting because I know that they aren't. They're trying to do their best not to put all their eggs in one basket. You know, it could be uh, something that they they may transfer over to. But uh, I think the fact that so many users go to Samsung because of the, the Android uh, ecosystem that they may not. You know, jump fully into their own OS game. 
But doesn't that lessen the branding of Android? I mean, Google wants Android to be this particular operating system with this interface and everything, and you have all these companies adding their fixes, their tweaks, and HTC does no less guilty of that. Oh, yeah, and I think part of the draw is that. I think part of the draw of Android is you can make your own customizations. You can do a little bit of this. You can do things that make it more personalized to you. I think the fact that Android has more options uh, gives it a little bit more marketing power than, say, a totally locked down system where you can't do things that, that you can on an Android platform. But you don't get a consistent interface, and you can't even be sure you're going to get the latest and greatest OS. I think the latest I heard is that the Android 4 revisions, 4.1, uh, 4.2, yeah. have, what, 16% of the market. Now, shouldn't the people over at Google want to bring people up to date? I mean, coming later this year, there's an Android 5. And we assume it's going to be a fairly big update because of the versioning. So doesn't Google want to make sure that as many people who buy Android-powered smartphones and tablets have the latest and greatest and not have the situation where more than half the people running Android have a system that's a year or two old? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very tough subject because you're dealing with not only the manufacturer of the phone, but you're dealing with carriers that, in order to push out the latest version of Android... All three parties have to join in and commit the resources to do so. Um, I think one of the things, uh, one of the the big pluses of buying a Nexus branded device, where Google and the manufacturer go in together to help build a device, and they release those on an annual basis, whether it be a tablet or a, a mobile de- mobile phone. Um, those devices tend to get a a update on a regular basis because those are specifically uh, pushed out when the developers conferences conferences happen. So people know that those devices will get updated. Um, but yeah, I do see, you know, it's the market fragmentation within Android. That's the hard thing that you don't know if you're going to get the latest update. Remember also you and I are playing inside baseball. <laughs> you know, you're using a windows phone or iOS and Apple iPhone or one of the Android devices, you know what it is. Even if you have an Amazon Kindle, you know what it is. But I think the average person who goes into the AT&T or Uh Verizon Wireless store and says, I want a smartphone, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want LTE and all that, and they don't know about all this stuff. They really don't know about all these distinctions and Android and what is this and what is that. They just want their phone to work. They don't care about this nonsense, and to them it is nonsense. Yeah, and, and honestly, sometimes you'll ask people, what kind of phone do you have? And they'll say, it's a blue one. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, people aren't necessarily, most people aren't necessarily so uh, enthralled or engaged in uh, this operating system. And I have Android 4.2.2. Um, and you're right, it's, 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 it all comes down to whether or not my phone works. And if it's iOS, if it's uh, Android, if it's Windows Phone, BlackBerry, it really doesn't matter as long as you know I can email, I can pull up apps, I could find my way using their maps. Uh, it doesn't really matter as long as it works well. We have Ward Choi. He's managing editor of Techno Buffalo. More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All renovation teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order renovation teas at renovationtea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Alex Jones here with a message that could revolutionize health in this country. Going back about a year and a half ago, I began to learn about the incredible health effects of Longevity products. Aaron Dykes lost 92 pounds. We're going to show you some before and afters. Aaron Break down what happened, your story. I've worked really hard with diet and exercise to try to lose weight, but I just didn't get the results. It just didn't happen. Then I saw what you were doing with InfoWarsTeam.com. I wasn't even trying to lose weight, but I got it because I wanted to feel better energy. I wanted that nutrition. Didn't even understand how that could kickstart my own weight loss goals, but the products did that for me. I found myself suddenly losing weight, more energetic, wanting to exercise, wanting to eat the right foods. And they don't even advertise it as weight loss. I want to challenge our radio listeners to go to InfoWarsTeam.com, sign up as a distributor, and get wholesale pricing discounts at InfoWarsTeam.com. 
You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. We have Roy Choi. He's the managing editor of Techno Buffalo at technobuffalo.com, works with John Rettinger, who's a big boss who went to New York for the event. And while we're talking right now, he's probably on the plane recovering from the trip because it's one of these things. And I used to do these things a few years ago when Apple and other companies had events where I jump on a plane, spend a few hours in whatever city they were being held. And of course, Apple would be in San Francisco or in Cupertino and then fly right back. And I imagine because you guys are on the West Coast, flying back from New York, it's a pretty big mess. You know, it's not fun to fly anymore. No, it's not. It's ugly. You must be happy to have been home and just sit there and doing the live blogging. Yeah. You know, John went out uh, with our mobile editor who's actually based in New York, uh, and he did a lot of the uh, the videos. So we did the hands-on videos of the Samsung Galaxy S4, and we compared it to you know, HTC One that was just announced last week. You know, another thing is these events happen back to back to back. You know, we have the HTC One just right after Mobile World Congress in, in Europe. We have the Samsung One. So on the horizon, we know there's something else. There's probably going to be another surprise announcement. Someone's probably going to have to jump on a plane or we're going to have one of our uh, editors from throughout the country, either in San Francisco or New York, head to the next event. So we're always on the go. We're always on the, the next event and trying to figure out and trying to dissect all this information to, to let our audience know, you know, what's this phone all about? Have all those frequent flyer mileage things. <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right, let's go into more specifics here. Samsung Galaxy S4, maybe in a couple of minutes or less, tell us the major hardware features before we go back to the software where the things are really happening. Yeah, it's a five-inch screen, two gigabytes of RAM, which... Both those things seem to fall in line with uh, what the highest-end Android phones have. Pushing the latest version of Android, 4.2.2, it's coming standard with 16 gigabytes of built-in storage. It can go to 32, 64, and it has a micro SD slot, so you can add an additional 64 gigabytes of, of storage. So you could have potentially 128 gigabytes of storage, which is pretty substantial, the, the main camera, the rear camera, is the 13 megapixel. The front camera is 2 megapixel. And the battery has gotten bigger from the, uh, or more capacity than the Samsung Galaxy S3. You know, there's a lot more stuff. You can do a lot more power that it needs, but it also has a larger battery. Uh, we're not sure necessarily what the battery life is, so we'll test that out when we get here. But one thing interesting is they have two variants of the phone in terms of processors. You have the 1.9 gigahertz quad-core processor. Samsung uses their Xenos processors that they develop, but most of the high-end devices now are using quad-core processors. The international version has a 1.6 gigahertz octa-core processor, so essentially eight processors functioning at the same time. You can you know, talk about the benefits uh, about octa-core processing, but not many apps or not many things are... Uh, maximize to run octa-core processing. So it'll be interesting how Samsung you know, makes a point of saying this is a useful tool. Uh, I have a fast question to ask here. Sure. Why have one processor in the U.S. and one processor elsewhere? I, I, try, I was thinking about that earlier this morning, and I think it has to do with cost. I think the fact that octa-core processors were just uh, announced middle of last year, there's still a new technology, 
In the U.S., we tend to subsidize most of our phones, so the cost is relatively cheap. And a high-end phone um, in this uh, segment is about $200 after the two-year contract. So the manufacturer and the carrier work out as uh, a subsidy, so it's about 200 bucks. But uh, in most international markets, subsidies don't uh, exist. So you're going to pay the, for the phone outright at the maximum price. You know, you're probably going to end up paying $600 for a phone. So I think that that's probably the, the big driving factor between the, the quad-core and the octa-core. That's the only thing I could think of at this moment. Uh, do you, <laughs> I don't know if you've got a theory on, uh, on that. You know, I heard also it may be related to the USA support for LTE, but in practical sense, though, maybe it'll look better on benchmarks, but if you don't have lots of apps or any apps that support eight cores, it's just a bragging right. Okay, so let's get past the specs here. And a lot of what they're offering in the Galaxy S4 is in terms of software. So we have the front camera and the rear camera. And explain this to me. And that is, you could take a picture simultaneously with the rear camera and the front camera. So you have a picture of yourself that you can then insert into the picture of whatever you're taking. Yeah, um, I think uh, the the best example I saw was actually almost uh, a year ago. There was a, a hacker or modder, and he created this app where you can essentially turn on your rear camera and your front camera at the same time. You take a picture or you take video. You're not only capturing the image in front of you, but you're capturing your expression or your emotions at that time. Does this become kind of like in Skype where you see you can see yourself in a small thumbnail-sized picture exactly uh exactly and it while you're um one of the examples they they demonstrated is while you're doing a video call you can actually see the person who's taking the video and see what that person is seeing at the same time from the other end so you get a a really more robust experience of what's happening and the experience and the emotions that are going on at the same time Uh, the example they use at a grandson's recital being able to capture that moment and capture the expressions and being able to speak to that person face-to-face while at the same time that person doesn't miss a, doesn't miss a beat uh, watching uh, little Jeremy's performance. Or if you're at a sporting event and you want to share that moment with someone, you, know, you can do that. Uh, so I think you know, if people are a lot, uh, very video-friendly, uh, video chat-friendly, they may go to this technology and may use it. I don't know about you, but I don't tend to use my phone to do too much Skyping all the time. I think when I do that, I'm usually traveling. I'm usually uh, not embracing that as much as I think I should. My son does. He lives in Madrid, and he calls his parents from Skype, but he's sitting there with his iPhone 4S, and maybe he's in an Internet cafe or something. Uh-huh. So that's how he does it because, you know, he's a young guy, and he's on the road, and he's yeah. busy working, and he's hanging out with friends. And this is a way you can keep in touch with us. And, of course, we have the multi-hour time difference since we're in Arizona. Okay, so we have that, and it sounds like fun. A lot of the features sound like a bit of fluff. I'm looking at the eye scroll Now, this is interesting here. So the front camera is watching your eye. If you're looking at the S4 and you then tilt the phone upward, it scrolls up. If you tilt it down, it goes down. Yeah, so it, it actually bases it on um, looking at your eyes, and it uses that as a focal point or a target. 
And yeah, when you go up or down, it, it, it moves the page up or down while you're viewing a website. But and you have to, therefore, instead of scrolling with your fingers, you're scrolling with the phone by the tilt action. I have to see how that works because yeah. Samsung's PR agency has said they'll get one of the units here when the USA version ship. And <laughs> yeah. understand now, this is the rollout. Uh-huh. And I wonder and I worry about rolling out something weeks before it's on sale. It's not going to be on sale till sometime in April. Right. Okay. So right now, after this announcement, and in the run-up to the announcement, I see the S3 at AT&T, for example, the AT&T store. And I say, I'm not going to buy this. Why am I going to buy this? So for six weeks or seven weeks, Samsung has destroyed sales of the S3 in anticipation of the S4. Possibly there was anticipation, but would Samsung have been better holding off this event until they were a week or so away from releasing it? I think there's a, a little bit a, of, of, of gaming here, too. When you look at how much uh, of our industry, and uh, we focus in on new technology, there's so many leaks that happen before a new product comes out. I think they kind of had to go this route of announcing a product early. And, and I think part of it is there's so much appeal so much wonder about the latest greatest gadget but at the same time they've fallen into this trap where if they don't release it on their own terms they, if they don't market it with their own branding then they can't necessarily get the right messaging across um, and they have to beat apple to the punch they have to beat all these other companies to the punch htc just announced their phone so they're gonna go in and, and then announce uh their phone just so that they stay relevant and i think You'll see a lot of price cuts. Amazon yesterday, before the announcement, uh, made uh, they're offering uh, the Galaxy S3 and the Note 2 at cheaper prices. So I do think that the pricing of the phones is, is it's going to get cheaper. Uh, it'll make maybe uh, people who are holding out on buying the phone because two hundred dollars is too much to buy, uh, too much to spend on a new phone. But you know, if you look at the phones side by side, they don't look too different. Let's break it here, and we'll continue the next segment. Okay. I agree. They don't look a lot different from the pictures, though I'd like to see them in person, which I will shortly. We have Roy Choi from Techno Buffalo. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. 
If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pilla, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Welcome back to Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. Roy Choi joining us. He's from Techno Buffalo. He's managing editor. He live blogged the Samsung event at the Radio City Music Hall in New York, which they held in the evening, which means it makes the evening and next day's news cycle. Apple tends to hold their events in the morning. And as we mentioned here, we understand competitive pressures may have influenced Samsung to get this announcement out as soon as possible. With Apple and the iPhone, they tend to have the things out within a week or 10 days. But say today, if you don't think that the S4 is a sensible upgrade. You get an S3 and maybe pay $100 or get it free. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're looking here in terms of iterative upgrades, minor size changes, minor performance differences that you'll probably see, but they're not that drastic. A 4.8-inch screen compared to 5.0. Now, one of the things I've seen with the S3, and maybe you can tell me about the S4 when you get a chance to look at it, maybe the people you had there who checked it out, the picture's kind of dim in sunlit surroundings, the yeah, S3. It's, uh, it's got a sensor built in, and it's you know not much different than what other phones have, where it takes the ambient light uh, around you, and it either makes uh, the screen brighter or softer, depending on your surroundings. And that's one of the features that they touted uh, as uh, a, a big uh, draw for the Super AMOLED screens on the Galaxy S4. Well, the so, S3, it doesn't work at all. It makes it too dim. Oh, it makes it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so the, the new displays are supposed to be brighter and supposed to give a lot more clear display. And when you, when you look at the, the display, it looks amazing, actually. We saw the HTC One, and that display is amazing. And you put those side by side, and I, I want to say the HTC One has a better build, but the Samsung Galaxy uh, S4 has a pretty bright display that Almost, if you're looking at it at night, it may be too bright. Uh, I'm thinking it, of sunlight, really. That's where I found the difference with the S3. In sunlight, it's dead. It's yeah, dead in the water. And what I usually have to do here is, so, for example, if I'm taking an S3 with me mm-hmm. on the road, in the house, I run the brightness half level. It's fine. Right. On the road, it's all the way up. Uh-huh. So, I, you know, I think uh, a lot of the, th- the stuff that Samsung talked about at their event this time around was... Stuff like that, where you're you're doing additional steps to make the product work better for you. They're trying to figure out ways to make it easier to use without you having to think about it. So a lot of the features that they talk about 
Uh, there may not be the most flashy things in the S4, but, but it's things that people have complained about, about or people have said, I wish my phone could do this without me having to do that. Um, now, the one thing about it is it's still plastic backing. Yep. It's still removable, the back. So if you want to replace the battery, you could. Mm-hmm. And that's how you still replace the SIM? It's opening the back of the case or is that on the side now? No, it's still uh, in the back. You okay. take the, you, you crack open the back there. You know, th- that, that debate goes back and forth, whether or not use uh, metallic material like HTC One or the iPhone. And by all accounts, those phones probably have a better build or better feel to them. Uh, they look a lot uh, more luxurious. Uh, for Samsung, uh, their, one of their top executives last week said, yeah, we made these out of polycarbonate plastic. Uh, it's because it's easier to manufacture. We can get a higher quantity of these out faster. and There's less uh, uh, issues in terms of the manufacturing process. Uh, and, you know, Apple came into a bunch of issues with their aluminum phones. And HTC One right now, they're coming up to a lot of issues with putting out as many devices as they want because they've got such a great demand for the HTC One. But it takes a lot longer in terms of manufacturing that device, and it costs more. Uh, but for Samsung, one benefit is you can take out that battery and, and put in another one if you need, if that's, if that's part of your uh, practice. Uh, you could swap out SIM cards by you know, taking the back off and switching it. Um, so, I mean, there's pluses and minuses in that debate. You know, uh, one of the things is on the new backing, you can take that off. Um, they didn't talk about this at the announcement yesterday, but you can put in a different panel on the back and it becomes uh, wireless charging. And wireless charging is probably the thing we're going to see a lot more. We saw it in the Windows Phone 8 uh, devices that rolled out earlier this year. Uh, we're going to see a lot more in terms of Android devices. The Nexus, LG Nexus uh, 4 has wireless charging. Um, so I, we're going to see a lot more of wireless charging, and Samsung is doing that by uh, a simple back panel upgrade. You just swap out the back. I know that Samsung sent me an S3, and the case was the kind of case that you pull the back off. So that was like going back to some of the other phones, smartphones I had. Now, the other thing to point out, though, when you talk about all this construction, most of us keep our smartphones in a case. We want to protect it. Once you put it in the case, you don't see any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I mean, really, what percentage of people, and we're not going to do a survey, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) but it's a question to ask here. What percentage of people out there want to protect their smartphones? So what they do is they stick them in cases. So you're seeing the face of the phone. doesn't matter what the construction technique is. It's invisible to you. Yeah. Now, maybe Samsung could have said that, too. I don't know. I want to ask you something quickly before we let you go. Sure. There's a quote saying, Samsung's new CEO reveals lackluster demand for Windows products. So we're sure the Samsung Galaxy S4 is going to sell pretty well. For a while, it outsold the iPhone. But even if you have them as roughly equal sales today, the S4 is more... Tomorrow, the iPhone is more. You're talking about two products that are hot, getting a lot of sales. Windows 8, Windows Phone going nowhere, and Samsung has not been shy about revealing that. Yeah, um, you know, one of the nicest devices we saw was a Samsung Windows 8 uh, tablet slash laptop. And it's, you know, by all accounts, the hardware is beautiful. Uh, I think people are still having a hard time 
grasping what Windows 8 is. Um, it's a bit, I mean, it's, it's significantly different than uh, Windows 7 or any Windows variant or any other operating system out there. Um, and I think people are having a hard time just understanding. It. And it's not a bad operating system. Uh, I think it's just so different. Um, I think if, if Microsoft did a better job of marketing that and showing you know, the benefits of why it's so different, we may have a different story. Uh, we look at the traffic on our site and on the general consumer demand for Windows Phone 8. Uh, it's rising. And if you told me, I mean, if we looked at the numbers last year on our, tra- on our site, maybe in the 4 or 5% range, uh, we look at Windows Phone 8 now, and there's probably in the, the teens, the mid-teens, uh, in terms of the viewership um, on our site. So I, I know that the demand or the, the, the usership is rising, but I still don't think that people understand or grasp Windows Phone or Windows Phone 8. Does Microsoft even have time to get this to happen? I mean, I heard a report and more of a suggestion that Microsoft might consider, number one, offering the option to restore the start menu. There's third-party utilities all over the place to do that with Windows 8. And also letting you boot directly into the desktop, which can be done now. You know, you can hack the system to do that. But then again, if you ignore the modern UI or the former Metro UI with Windows 8 on the desktop, it's like going back to Windows 7. It's like, who needed it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's the first thing we do on when we get a Windows 8 device. We uh, go back to the original form. I mean, we're so used to that platform uh, from, you know, however long we've used that. I mean, like a good 20 years of uh, our lives has been that look and feel. Uh, to change it overnight, it's kind of jarring. And the other question is here, of course, for Microsoft, and the big dilemma is, it's not just changing it and educating people to use something new. You've got to offer them a reason. What's the reason for it? Is there a reason to switch to Windows 8? Does that interface make you do your stuff faster? Or does it hold you back? And that's a question Microsoft has to answer. Roy Choi has to answer one thing. Where can we find more of what you do? You can follow us on uh, technobuffalo.com. That's technobuffalo.com for the stuff from Roy Choi and, of course, John Rettinger. And we were discussing this week the Samsung Galaxy S4 in our next segment with Abram Pilch. We'll continue that discussion, and we're going to see as we explore it how well it will do against the iPhone, which is its major competition. Roy Choi, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use escapeharassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape Harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 9009. That's 877 457 9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. Amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. Amino acids have to be delivered to your body in the shape that nature gave them if they are to be used to create new proteins in your body. Just like a bricklayer cannot use bent or twisted bricks to build a brick wall, so too your body cannot use bent or twisted amino acids to build new proteins. Giving your body an undamaged amino acid food can make a huge difference in your health. One World Way is an undamaged amino acid food unlike any other. You see, heating bends and twists amino acids, and all whey protein powders we've investigated and most proteins you consume are heated. With our True Cool process, you now have a choice with One World Way. My name is Daniel. I'm 34 years old. When I started using One World Way, I weighed 228 pounds. Now, after two and a half months, I weigh 182 pounds. This is my ideal weight. I've noticed an increase in stamina, rate of recovery from workouts, and an increase in my potency. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine has covered extensively with the staff at Laptop Magazine the arrival of the Samsung Galaxy S4. And we've already talked a little bit about the specifics of the phone from one point of view. And before we do that, before this thing was introduced, what kind of expectations did you folks have? Uh, we expected it to be, you know, one of the top phones of 2013, if not the top phone of 2013, although we still have, you know, like nine months, eight, eight and a half months left in the year. So anything could happen. But it certainly has been a, a big deal uh, because the Galaxy S3 was such a breakout hit. So obviously we expected a lot of innovation from Samsung and we got a lot of that, but uh, we also got some things that didn't change much. Okay, so let's look at the bad parts first and then the good parts. What didn't change too much and is that good or bad? The design didn't change at all, really. I mean, it's in black or white now instead of blue, white and red or something, but it's still a very plasticky design like all of the Samsung Galaxy phones. So it's a shiny plastic, and it's got like a little bit of a metal rim around it, but the same old uh, Samsung design, which it's the same old Samsung design that we've seen on a million other Samsung phones, and it, it looks kind of cheap and plasticky. Now, when people put a case on the phone, does it even matter? Well, you know, you can obscure some of the physical flaws of something by putting a case around it, so that might be a solution. Uh, but on the other hand, what we're seeing from a lot of from some other phone vendors, such as HTC and of course Apple, is a move toward kind of aluminum or metallic designs that look a little bit more premium. And do you think customers care a lot about that? Do they look at the phone, pick it up in their hand, and say, "Wow, gosh, golly, gee whiz, this is cheap plastic. It doesn't turn me on." But this has got all this crazy metallic stuff going on. I can dig this. Well, if you look at the marketplace, the answer is probably no. I mean, we do see that Apple is a success, but I wouldn't say that the success of the iPhone is based on its design. Although, you know, there's certainly a, a lot of people who are very fond of it. But, I mean, you look at Samsung's been a success with this design and they've been doing better than HTC, which is much better at design than Samsung. So, Clearly, that's not what it takes to succeed. Is it possible here that it's also marketing, that HTC doesn't have the marketing muscle of Samsung to get the word out? You're absolutely right. Samsung does a really good job in terms of marketing and, and more importantly, in terms of distribution of its products. So for whatever reason, most other phone makers... They don't come out on every carrier in the U.S. and they don't come out on on every carrier in the world. They have select carriers that they'll work with, and they may have to remake the phone slightly differently with a different name and different chassis and slightly different software on each carrier. That is bad for consumers, and it's bad for uh, the marketing because which phone are you actually marketing to them at this point? Who's marketing the phone? Is it the phone carrier or is it the phone maker? Uh, well, who? obviously, maybe it's the carrier, just as you see all of the kind of droid stuff is really made by, you know, marketed by Verizon, not Motorola or HTC that makes the droid DNA. So Samsung is in control of its product. It has The product has one name. It's the Galaxy S3 across uh, every carrier, and it has commercials that, Samsung runs that say, hey, you can get the Galaxy S3. They don't say, hey, you can only get the Galaxy S3 on Sprint, or hey, you can only get the Galaxy S3 on AT&T. You can get the Galaxy S3 on not just the major four providers in the U.S., you can get it on like U.S. Cellular and other like smaller uh, providers. So 
Samsung is really good at getting its phone out to multiple carriers. Well, Samsung, I think, is a really huge success, not only because their products are innovative, but because they're, they're really excellent at distribution. So if you look around the marketplace, if you want an HTC One phone, well, now you may be able to get it on Verizon, but you can't necessarily get it on every carrier. If you want a Droid Razor phone, well, that's only on Verizon and Motorola's phones for other carriers aren't as good. If you want a Nokia phone... Well, you know, you can get this Lumia on this carrier and this Lumia on that carrier, but, you know, it, it's very limited. The With the Galaxy S3 and, and the Galaxy Note 2 and, and other recent Samsung phones, you can get them across all the major carriers, even some of the minor carriers in the U.S., and that extends around the world. So the company has really excellent distribution. Whatever it is that they had to do to work with the carriers to say, listen, you're going to have our, our phone and you're not going to have an exclusive is obviously the right is obviously working out and it also allows Samsung to put together a more coherent marketing message for consumers like hey buy our phone not hey buy our phone cuz it's on sprint like hey buy our phone you you worry about the carrier we we're just telling you this is the phone to get you have one marketing message you can refine it and also Samsung is giving people essentially the same user experience on all carriers although each carrier will stick some of their junk we're on. I know, for example, I have an AT&T version of the Galaxy S3 here, and there's a little bit of AT&T junkware there. Yeah, junkware would be a kind word. I would call it crapware. But Well, you yeah, understand it, also we're on terrestrial radio, and therefore we have to limit the real comment, which would not be allowed. Yeah, there's each carrier puts a lot of puts a lot of stuff on onto the phone, and they also control the rollout schedule. But I have to say that Samsung, like Apple has exerted a lot more control over its product and how it's sold and how it's named than these other uh, phone manufacturers. And I think that's what's the that's the source of their success. I don't know what HTC and Motorola and LG need to do to get to where Samsung is. Is it simply a matter of money that they can either throw at the carrier or a matter of size that they can kind of use to leverage the carrier? I've never quite understood how those relationships work. It's still an open question to me whether if you don't see a phone on a carrier, is it because the phone manufacturer doesn't want the carrier to have it, which in my mind would be dumb, or is it because the carrier doesn't want its customers to have access to that phone? I, I don't know. I think that would be dumb too. They're, 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 both, they're both dumb, but it results in a lot of stupidity. Uh, and Samsung has managed to cut through a lot of that crap, just like Apple has. Oh, Samsung's managed to cut through a lot of the red tape, just like Apple has. The benefit is, of course, that consumers have a choice, and Samsung has a really good distribution. I don't know what L- what the LGs and Motorola's of the world have to do to get there. I suppose one would think that now that Google has control of Motorola, maybe they'd be in a position to do something about this, to handle this disparity and work out a workable solution. But then who knows when it comes to how things work in the wireless handset industry. That may present a difficult problem for them. Maybe they have to renegotiate their carrier contracts. But in the end, what's happening in this market, we'll get more into the features and usability in a moment. What appears to be happening in this market, though, is has become Apple and Samsung. So if you don't like the Galaxy S4, you buy an iPhone. If you like the iPhone, you don't buy the Samsung. It's become a two-horse race. Most of the profits in the handset industry are being earned by two companies. And 
yeah, you want to see innovation in the industry, but if all these other companies are barely making a profit, that has to hurt. We'll have Abram's answer on the other side. You're listening to Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Hey there, my name is Frank Bates. Do you know the number one most valuable item in a crisis? Some people think the answer is gold. Others think it's a gun. But the correct answer will shock you. I just created a free video at Crisis123.com that reveals a surprising item that is more valuable than gold in a crisis. 97% of Americans don't have this one critical item. In fact, they haven't even given it a thought. And the sad truth is that you may not survive without it when a real crisis hits and a starving mob is right outside your door. What I have to tell you could literally make the difference between life and death for you and your family. Watch my video at Crisis123.com to discover the number one most valuable item in a crisis. You'll be shocked. See the controversial video that thousands of other smart patriots have already seen in the last three months. Go watch my video now at Crisis123.com before they force me to shut it down. Again, that's Crisis123.com. I lost 18 pounds in just four days. Want to know how? Hi, I'm James Zetta. If you're like me, you've already tried and failed at many diet and weight loss plans. But if you still need and want to lose weight, if you're searching for a simple, safe, healthy approach to lose weight that is extremely easy to follow, listen to this. The 18 and 4 weight loss plan requires no exercising, no diet pills or additives, no laxatives, no meal replacements, and no diet drinks. The 18 and 4 program can help you lose 10, 20, 30 pounds or more, and it fits both men and women of all ages. The 18 to 4 program is crystal clear with a day-to-day, step-by-step, and meal-to-meal guide. And the best part? If you're not satisfied with your results, I will give you my 30-day full money-back guarantee. This program has helped thousands lose 18 pounds in four days, and it can do the same for you. Go to 18and4.com. That's the number 18, I-N, the number 4.com. 18and4.com. Easy to download, easy to start losing weight today with 18and4.com. 
gardeners. Here comes another growing season, but don't use last year's soil. Maximize yields in your survival garden with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 is an organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant that provides a broad spectrum of beneficial microorganisms, enzymes, trace minerals, vitamins, and various organic acids. EM1 helps regulate the soil's pH level and its soil microbes, improving moisture retention and drought tolerance. Remember last year's dry conditions? EM1 from Terraganics is safe, chemical-free, and certified for use on all organic farms. It improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, and gives up to 20% more nutrient value in fruits and vegetables and greatly increases shelf life. And EM1 is so simple to use, just mix with water and apply. This year, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Avram Pilch with Laptop Magazine telling us about the launch of the Samsung Galaxy S4, their flagship phone. And last year, depending on the quarter, one quarter they sold more than the iPhone, another quarter the iPhone, Apple sold more than Samsung. So it's a two-horse race. And how much time does HTC have? I mean, we have HTC's CEO saying the session Thursday night was embarrassing, but that's normal spin. Apple had something to say about the launch, too. But in the end, how much time do these other companies have to get in there and make good phones and good profits before it becomes just Samsung and Apple? I think they have as much time as their boards of directors will allow them or their shareholders will allow them to continue on as a, as a going concern. I mean, Samsung has really strong brand recognition, but I don't think it's at a point where people are going out there and saying, oh, oh my, I, I won't even consider another Android phone. I think it's just simply a matter of the of marketing, distribution, and marketing and distribution, because the quality of the other phones is really there. I mean, the Galaxy S4 is great, but the HTC One is great. And personally, I would love to get my hands on an LG Optimus G, uh, Optimus G Pro. I think it's pretty obvious that there's still room for other players in the smartphone game. There's room for other Android players. Samsung does dominate, but they only make up 50% of the Android market, according to their own numbers. All right. So I think there's plenty of room there. The other companies, the other companies just need to do a better job. All right, let's look more at the Galaxy S4. So the negative thing here is maybe the industrial design is nothing earth-shattering. It's the same as other Samsung phones and not much different from the S3 aside from the minor specs. Now, in terms of the software, and this is something that is interesting here, you see Samsung offering stuff that's not part of Android. So do you even think anymore of Samsung as just an Android player but something where they're just using Android as the core platform, but all the good stuff is Samsung only. 
you know, I guess it depends on how much you know about the industry. So uh, geeky people like me, I still think of it as an Android device with a skin on it because its competitors have Android device have Android with skins on on it too. I, I wish that Google would learn from the best of from the best of its partners and start building some of these neat UI features into the next version of Android. But it, it turns out that actually Google is now behind its partners in terms of innovation. But I I think for consumers, yes, some of them are looking at it and saying, hey, I want these features because I see them on Samsung and I can't get them elsewhere. But actually, if you're smart, you you actually can get a lot of the features elsewhere through third-party apps or the competitors have them. They just look a little different. All right, so let's look at the real key stuff here. And I think some of the photo features are a bit of fluff, but the one that was interesting is the ability to shoot a picture of yourself on the front camera and someone else on the rear camera, that's been done in software too, though. Well, LG LG does that now on the Optimus G Pro. So uh, they released they released that like a month ago. So they're they're about the same time frame. I have not found a third party app that can do that for Android. So there may be something at a higher level or lower level in the hardware that those companies are doing to get that functionality. I, however, I bet you anything that someone's going to come out with an app that can do it or it's just going to become standard on other brands of phone going forward because if Samsung has it and LG has it, then I'm sure that you're going to start to see it on every phone pretty soon. Larger question then would be, does that force these other Android makers to do that? Or we go back again to the core argument, which is Google wants Android to be the platform, but if you allow all these other companies to add all the stuff to it, good or bad, it dilutes the branding. Is it about branding or is it about providing a common platform for applications that users want? So, Yeah, Windows, but also Samsung has their own app store too now. But they're selling Android apps. Sure. And so, I mean, the minute that they take the Google Play Store off of their phone that's when we have a really serious problem. The minute that they that they stop using Android and they use their own operating system uh, and make it kind of look and feel like the current system does under Android, that's when, when it becomes a serious problem. I mean, yeah, I was at the event at Radio City Music Hall where they launched the GS4 and they were talking about Samsung, and I, I think they barely mentioned Android at all. So you could say that the marketing message is not good for Google, but people are downloading Android apps. People are using Google services. I think that it's still a win for Google. It is, but are people aware of the distinction anymore? After all, they buy the smartphone, and that's what's there, at least for now. I, I mean, I, I guess you'd have to do a survey to see who who's who's aware and not i i get the feeling that people who are using smartphones are savvy enough to know that they're using some form of android at at this point even if it's a, a samsung thing now granted if you take someone like my mom who gets very very ingrained in her you know her stuff if you upgrade her from like windows xp to windows 7 the really minor differences in the ui and the you know like aeroglass look of it throw her off so sure if you're someone who really has a hard time adapting to new interfaces you will have a problem moving from samsung to not samsung uh, but i think a lot i think the this interface is consistent enough 
that people usually get it. What I what I really don't like, though, that I'm seeing as a trend, and Samsung's actually not the worst offender, I'd say HTC is, is a, t- a tendency to sort of remake the navigation buttons, which are the core feature, you know, the core nav for Android. So uh, on the new HTC One, for example, instead of having, um, you know, back a home and a multitasking button like, like Google wants, they just they only have two buttons. They only have back and home. And on Samsung, there is no multitasking button. There's a menu button, which actually is weird because there's no menu button on like Google phones like the Nexus Four. But there's no multitasking buttons. So there is some room for there is some room for confusion there for for sure. I just think people are getting more and more tech savvy about about these things and are able to figure them out. Eventually, it's the things that are a little bit more obscure, like getting into the Google Now engine when it's a different gesture on each phone that uh, are going to remain hidden to some people. Boy, would I love to see the tech support information that carriers get for some of these smartphones. be very interesting. Does that put it upon Google to start saying to some of these vendors, look, put on your own stuff, but try to be a bit more consistent so people see from one smartphone to another a more consistent experience so they don't have to keep adapting? I'd like to think that. I'd like to think that's what's going to happen. But if you look at how Google has managed Android, they have managed it with a very light hand, which has allowed it to to grow and evolve in a big way. But now I don't know if they're in a position to go and tell other partners what to do. I mean, it's an open source operating system. They don't charge licensing fees. The only, I think the main leverage that they would have is just not sharing information with the Samsungs of the world, or uh, they can refuse to share their Google Play and YouTube and other Google apps with them. But as you see, if you look at some of the cheap tablets that are coming out of China, there's a lot of people who are making tablets without Google's blessing. And and to some extent, legally, they don't necessarily need Google's blessing to use some of the core features of the Android OS. So that means, of course, that a lot of the Android percentage in terms of users is, number one, Amazon, where you have no idea it's even Android unless you're playing inside baseball, or you live in Asia where you have this cheap knockoff phone that doesn't use Google Play either and shows only a passing resemblance. We've got a lot more to talk about. One of the things I want to ask before we let him go, I want to ask Avram what he thinks because we talked about some of the so-so things, the most important, the best features of all of the Galaxy S4. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live for one more segment. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. The Get Prepared Expo is coming. Coming. Practical advice. Affordable solutions. The biggest and best preparedness expo in the USA. Over 175 seminars and exhibits. Water, food, shelter, guns, ammo. Prepare to survive now. Meet GCN's Vincent Finelli. Get Prepared Expo. Cowan Civic Center, Lebanon, Missouri. Saturday and Sunday, April 6th and 7th. Discount $8 passes and $15 weekend passes available now at GetPreparedExpo.com. GetPreparedExpo.com. Com. Com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. We've lived in this neighborhood for years. We have an alarm system and all of our doors have deadbolts. They kicked in our door and were in and out of our house in about five minutes. The police arrived in about 20 minutes, but they were long gone with our TV jewelry and my guns. I kept thinking, what if my family had been home? The police officer said that more than 85% of break-ins are through a door and that deadbolts alone don't stop intruders. The officer told me to go to EasyArmor.net if we wanted something that would actually stop an intruder. Easy Armor reinforces all of the weak points on your doors and is guaranteed to prevent kick-ins. I was surprised at how little Easy Armor costs, and I installed Easy Armor in about 30 minutes. Visit EasyArmor.net. That's the letters E-Z-A-R-M-O-R.net. Or call 888-58-ARMOR. That's 888-582-7667. EasyArmor.net. Ultimate door security made easy. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg here in the Tech Night Out Live exploring the launch of the Samsung Galaxy S4. Just one quick thing here, of course, to ask is that I've noticed that after Apple's stock has taken such a big fall, the morning after the Galaxy S4 is released, Apple's stock price starts soaring way ahead of the market. So is Wall Street saying they're not impressed by the S4? I, I can never tell what Wall Street is saying. <laughs> Wall Street was not Wall Street was not impressed with Apple's highly successful fourth quarter. It's quite schizophrenic, and it's really hard to read the tea leaves from the stock market. The market said that they weren't impressed with Apple's amazing, amazingly profitable fourth quarter. So who knows what they're thinking? I understand. It's just so confusing, Wall Street. That's why I don't invest. I think if you want something a little bit more logical, go to the tables in Las Vegas, the gambling tables. At least you know you're going to lose. <laughs> no doubt. You'll know you're going to lose. not going to be a problem. going to do. Okay, the Galaxy S4. What do you think are the really best features, other than you know just the hardware improvements, which you'd expect? What do you think are the best improvements of the new model? Well, I think they've done a lot with gesture control, which is pretty impressive. So you can now scroll by tilting the phone. You can sort of wave away things so you can if you're in the car and the phone's on the dashboard you can wave one way to deny the call and one way to pick up the call you can change browser tabs by waving you can start and stop music with your hands it's almost like a connect in your phone i think that's a great feature there's also a lot going on with facial or eye recognition because they have a feature called smart pause where if you're watching a movie and you look away from the phone it will stop and then start again when you look at the phone which which is pretty cool they also just done a, a ton with photography as you were talking about the rear the rear and front facing cameras is interesting but like i said i've seen that on lg about a month ago although samsung's implementation has a lot more features the some of the other things are really quite neat like the eraser feature someone runs across the back of your of your family photo and you can erase them from the picture because it's been shooting continuously. So it has like what the background looked like and it just edits that person out of the background. I think that is, that is a really neat feature. Uh, obviously health features are big. They have this new S health app, which helps keep track of your, uh, you know, your diet and your walking and all this stuff. I, I really don't want to know how badly I'm doing that, but some people really care about, uh, and it even has temp, it even has temperature sensors now in the phone. So it can tell you, wow, it's so warm out or so cold out, which I'm not sure that, that you really need it, that you really need if you use a weather app, but this reads those things directly. So there's just a lot going on there. Uh, there's a translation app that I really quite like that will translate your email for you. So if someone emails you in a foreign language, uh, you can hit a button and it will translate it for you, although it doesn't seem to work offline. So I wasn't too impressed with that feature of it, but uh, but it did work quite well. Uh, there's also an OCR feature of it called uh, Photo Reader that if you take a picture, say a business card, it will OCR it so that you don't have to type that information in to add it to your contact list. There's just a lot of little features like that. Um, there's, uh, we, I didn't get a demo of it, but there's a group gaming feature where you, you can play against your friends. Uh, and there's a group play feature where you can tap the backs of two phones together and start playing the same song. So 
there's a, just a lot of little innovations like that. They're neat. I don't know how many of them you'll use every day, but probably a couple of them you'll use every day. I think the big question when you have so many features is how many work really well? Did you get much of a chance to test them out? We did. You know, we got to be at the, uh, we got to, after uh, the event ended and, the event could be a whole other show because it was quite a cringeworthy press event. Uh, but, af- but after the after the whole uh, show at Radio City Music Hall ended, and we got to go outside into the lobby. They had tables filled with phones, and uh, myself and a number of my colleagues from Laptop Magazine got to kind of like like gather around a corner of a table and, and play with one of the phones for like a couple hours. And so we got to you know we really got to try out some of the features. Of course, caveat. Uh, when the when the phone is chained down to the table with like one inch of uh, wire that you can pick it up, you can't really do much in terms of taking pictures. Uh, with the connection that they that that phone had, we couldn't really do much in terms of using cloud connected services. So the translate didn't work for most of the time that we were there because it was trying to connect to the cloud and couldn't. Uh, but uh, we were pretty impressed with how well some of these features how well some of these features work and if we were able to get the phone outside as we eventually will get sent one for review. Um, I think we're going to be really interested to see the quality of the photos outdoors, but also how easy it is and fun it is to do things like cinema picture, which creates an animated GIF from your, from your photos and things like that. Uh, I think people are going to, to be pleased with the features. I mean, although some of them are replicated elsewhere. So like, like I said, uh, LG has the front back camera, uh, but you can't get that in a third-party app. However, Translate, while while it's great that it's integrated into email, and that's different, that's unique. Uh, Google Translate does a lot of the same features, uh, so there's there's some redundancy there. Okay, so the things like the eye tracking stuff, like the eye scroll feature, where you're looking at it, and if you tilt the phone up or down, it scrolls accordingly. Was that smooth and fluid or what? And I ask this because I've heard a couple of pluses and minuses about it so far. It seemed pretty fluid, actually. I was really impressed with the smart pause because that worked really well. Um, when I, you, you just have to actually be looking at the phone. You know, if you're sort of looking over the phone or you're looking at it from an angle, then it's not going to pick you up. But if you're looking directly at the phone and then you avert, you turn your head, it stops. And you look back directly at it, it starts. So I, I don't know whether that works with streaming videos, though, because it seems to be built into the into the offline player. So one of the things I'll, I'll test when we get it in is to see whether it works with YouTube and things like that. It very well may not. Uh, so I don't know if that limits its usefulness. Uh, but it's kind of a neat feature. On the other hand, maybe it's annoying. Maybe you don't want your phone... Um, making those decisions for you. There's another feature called There's another feature called Story Album, which recommends when you should create an album and creates it for you based on your location. Like it knows where you live, and if you go to another place and take some photos, it says you're on vacation. Want to make an album? That might be a little creepy for some people. Well, I think as you get to use a real shipping version, not the prototypes they have sitting there, but really shipping version working with an American carrier like Verizon or AT&T, and you sit and play with it to get a better picture of what's going on. I know, for example, you had a benchmark with one of the standard benchmark utilities available for the Android platform, but, of course, the actual benchmarks of the shipping unit, we don't know yet until you actually sit down and you test it. Same thing with battery life. I kind of hope in a couple of places 
for improvements, the picture is a little bit brighter, right? The screen display is a little bit brighter in the previous version. Yeah, but only by about 34 or 40 lux. It's still dimmer than a lot of its competitors. That said, the color quality is is really excellent. It's Super AMOLED, and I'm a big fan of Super AMOLED. I really like the gamut of colors you get with Super AMOLED. And, and so the colors really pop. Uh, is it bright enough to like, sear out your eyeballs? No, but I think, you know, and we didn't try it in direct sunlight, but I, I, I really like the color quality of it, and I think that to a lot of people that's going to be more important than just how searingly bright it gets at the brightest setting. And, and for that, uh, though we didn't get to do a lot of testing of the screen with different pictures on it, it looked really nice, and Samsung screens tend to be on the best. Abram Pilch, tell our listeners where they can find more of what you do. You can find all of our news at LaptopMag.com, including our Galaxy S4 coverage. Uh, you can follow my weekly columns at LaptopMag.com slash GeeksGeek, and follow me on Twitter at, at @geekinchief. And you can find us. We are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Once again, we are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Our main portal, where my blog is located, where you can download episodes of the show, is TechNightOwl.com. We've got a little nav bar there where you can click on our community forums and things like that. We also have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week, we're going to be talking about the gin. I don't mean the thing you drink. I mean, like, the genies and that kind of stuff at Paracast.com. Avram Pilch, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.